Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. So we're looking at church. Church, the word church means the called out ones. That's what it means. We're called out of this world to live a life that's different from just human life. Or what the Bible says, an empty way of life handed down to us from our parents and their parents and stuff. And uh, we're called out, and it's a quality of life. It's a supernatural life. It's a, it's a new dynamic. It's a new community. It's a, a new morality. It's a new way of looking at life and looking at people. You know, I come from a big family, and in a, in a big family, what you can have is people hating in-laws. They actually despise the in-laws. And, and you look and you think, yeah, but it was your sister's choice or your brother's choice. You've got to honour that, if nothing else. But they can carry despising for years. And, and I forget that. And it's vicious because it's, it's very sectarian. It's very like, you know, this is us and they're not us. Well, they are by virtue of marrying one of us. The Bible says you become one flesh. I don't want to go into the ins and outs of all that kind of stuff. But you become one flesh. So now they become part of us. We become part of them. And if you, that's the empty way of life. But in the kingdom of heaven, we're meant to show a love that's totally different. Yeah. And you can't carry, well, I hate her in church. Let's just say she's nothing to do with your human family. Uh, sorry, with your, your family. She's, she, she's somewhere, I hate him or I despise him. You know, he's this and she's that. We can't carry that round. And, and we have to learn to let go of that and then to start to love. And love is a verb. It's a doing thing, yeah? yeah. Uh, and, and, and so love is kind. So when you've got people in your family that you don't like, you have an opportunity to love, show God's love. This is not your love. This is supernatural love. It goes beyond a mother's love or a father's love. It's a supernatural love. Our love's great because we're made in the image of God, but it will run out. And so we've got to learn to practice that. Practice it in church with each other and then practice it with the world. Does anybody work with anybody that you think they are an absolute uh, uh, um, um, nasty piece of work? I just, it's easy. Some people are easy to despise. Have you noticed that? Some people have very few redeeming qualities where you look and think, oh, I just want to be with you. And, 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 and so you look. But it's a sobering thought to think, Others might think that about you. Why are you all looking at me? You cheeky beggars. So, it, it's, it's a totally different kind of lifestyle, a totally different kind of thinking. And it takes time. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, well, let's go to verse 1. It says, in view of all God's mercy and God's goodness to us that we didn't deserve, he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Yeah. Then it says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you're able to test God's good, pleasing and perfect will. And that takes time to change your patterns of thought. And as we worship, patterns of thought gets changed. As we pray in Jesus' name and exercise faith to believe for others to to find Christ or to change their lifestyles or whatever, um, then 
you know, your, your thinking changes, the patterns, the old patterns are breaking off and we have to learn to love. Who's ever led by moods? I've worked on building sites, I've worked in factories, I've worked in offices, I've worked in churches and uh, I realised I'm not a good mood manager. I'm not. And, you know, we have to be our own mood manager. We have to wobble our head yeah. in this and, um, and, and then go into the world. But, you know, to be, I don't come under people's moods. People who, who, who rule by moods, they are such selfish people <laughs> because they dominate by mood. I've never done that in my life. <laughs> we all do it. We can put a face on, so just to send a signal that we're not happy. And, you know, that's so, it's just, we've got to break through that. You know, when God's freedom in you walks into your office, your school, your place of work, your factory, your, your uh, uh, um, uh, construction site, people will notice the difference. Why? Because we don't come under it. Yeah. We don't. And you know something? There are ways of melting moods. There are. And I'm not called to be a mood manager, but sometimes in order to, to make life better for everybody, we go in and we melt the moods. And uh, we get on with people. We, we do the hard yards to open them up. And you know, the Bible says that speaking the truth in love, it's in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, we grow up into Christ. And there's a maturity as human beings that we learn to speak the truth in love, the Bible says. Speak the truth in love. When I first started going to church, the thing that was going around all the churches, because they were trying to do this, they were trying to have koinonia love, community love for everybody. And they, they used to come up to you and say, I'm going to say this in love, and you knew it weren't going to come at you in love. <laughs> but they've got the rider out for you. I'm going to say this in love. And then they say, do you know, I've never liked you. I've hated you forever. And just recently, Jesus has given me a love for you. But they had to tell me all that rubbish in the past. Why? Because that's just their way of saying you've been an, you're not easy to love. And when they finish saying it, they say, well, I still don't like you. <laughs> we had so much fun as new Christians. We were teenage lads. You know, and we didn't understand the politics, but we, we understood when somebody were having a stab at you, veiled in spirituality. Yeah. We just come back with no spirituality. <laughs> we didn't give it to us. But learning to love, it's a lifetime. And it's not good for man to be alone, but it's not good for a woman to be alone neither. And uh, we've got to learn. We have to learn to love. Why? Because we're a new community. And so many people just live for their families. Us four and no more. And when the Spirit of God comes in, He gives you a love and a greater love for mankind. And you see people as lost, like Jesus saw them. He said the fields are white to harvest. He didn't pray for them he prayed for more workers in the church. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers into the harvest field. And that's my job, is to get everybody working in the harvest field of human life to bring people in. Because there's going to be an end time harvest, the Bible says, where the, you know, many, many millions and millions of people will find faith in Christ. And it won't be long after that that Jesus returns. And they'll have an eternity with Jesus. And, you know, that's, that is just so worth it. You know, we can sacrifice our lives in this life. I think it was Mother Teresa that said, 80 years compared with an eternity. We can work our butts off. I'm not trying to get us to be workaholics or anything like that. But, you know, when you think 
I can do without this. You just think, yeah, but what about them? What about their salvation? How will they ever believe if I don't deal with my moodiness? If I don't deal with my attitudes? So, that's a little introduction to me introduction. And then what I want to do is, I want to give us a a kind of quick praise of last week, and then we'll get on to finish for this week. Are we ready? This kingdom of faith, a place to belong, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. And yet when you first come to church, you feel like an outsider, yeah? yeah? You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. That's for those who have said yes to Jesus. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets, our church planters, for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick. I didn't quite like that because brick by brick, bricks are uniform. I like this next bit, stone by stone, because they're not uniform. But, you know, sometimes you're building something, you need a little stone as well as a big stone. And you can't say to that little stone, you don't make a difference, because it does. And that's a picture of church. Some people come, and they're not necessarily a loud and proud personality. You wouldn't even notice them. But without them, there's something missing. And if you're not careful, you can be the loud and proud and create an atmosphere around you of loud and prouds. And all you loud and prouds get together and despise the quiet you know, book reading, knitting culture. And uh, you've missed the point. Because it's easy to be around people that are like-minded. We have to learn to get on with people who are not like-minded. When they made me the chairman of the Bible College, (laughs) I went round, I made it my mission to get to know everybody. There were 80-odd students. And I made it, and, and nobody else did it. And I thought, why... Why has nobody come and sat with us? I used to look and I'd watch the chairman and the vice chairman. And we, we I just went round everybody, getting to know, and you know something, when you ask some questions, and I'm not good at this, but as you start asking questions and you find out their story and their journey, it humbles you or it inspires you or it shocks you. And you say, I never knew. So you get that stone by stone, little rabbit run. But we're back out of that rabbit run now. With Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds all the parts together. That's the one thing we have in common. And without him keeping us straight, we're going to wobble. And so Jesus is the word. So we come to the Bible. That is the word. That's, the Bible is God's expressed thoughts and emotions to us. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God with, uh, with all of us built into it, with all of us built into it, all of us. A temple in which God is quiet at home. Or in other words, a temple where God lives. And as we worship today, as praises go up, his presence comes down. And sometimes it's tangible, other times we don't feel a thing, and yet his goodness still happens in our life. So we're called not to uh, we're called to belong, not just believe. And I talked about, you know, setting your roots down in the church. Psalm 92, verse 13 says, planted in the house, they will flourish. Trees don't move around, they're planted. Yeah. yeah? I, know, I know it's a metaphor, but trees are a great metaphor of, of, of human beings in the Bible. And so we need to plant. Decide this is the church and you plant. Honestly, the first time you plant in, 
I'll guarantee trouble comes your way. There'll be somebody in church that really offends you. And you say, well, that offended me. I'm never going there again. Is that all it took? Is that all it... You don't need a devil with a church like that, do you? Is that all it took to take you out? Well, I can't believe Dave Shaw said this. Or I can't believe somebody else said that. Somebody told me I had to sit here and not there. Who do they think they are? I can sit where the hell I like. And that's all it took to take you out. <laughs> so I want to do. Honestly, I've seen it all in church. It's so boring when you have to deal with that low level of living and thinking. Even the Bible says a wise man overlooks an insult. But people don't even overlook order. They can't over, overlook when somebody says, no, this is how we're doing it. This is what we need you to do. We need you to sit here. I can remember putting people, I said to me, me uh, stewards and stuff, I said, make sure everyone sat in the middle, which is great, you know, everyone sat at side and I'm looking at a, a digital projector, really. <laughs> but, but apart from that, when you say to people, no, can we fill up in the middle? It's like, no, I'll sit there. Not in this church, we're going to rip the seat. Oh, I can't, it's a, they don't belong to me. <laughs> but I would, I'd rip them out because that's how the old churches died. Not because it had nothing to do with seats, it had everything to do with attitude. Yeah. And the people don't know how to build church. I didn't know how to build church. So the last 15, 18 years has been a real uh, eye-opener and just working at it and understanding it, getting my head around some things, coming with all my arguments against, only to have them flattened. And then you submit and you surrender and all of a sudden you see what could happen when you really have true church. Uh, where, we're, where we're learning to get on yeah. with people that we didn't choose, yeah? yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So we're called to belong, not just to believe. And the Bible knows nothing about solitary saints or, or a solitary religion. Um, being put together, joined together, built together, members together, hairs together, fitted together, all those are examples of verses in the Bible that says that's what we are. We're being brought together. And I think I said last week, this is a service. Our lives need to come like that, where we're entwined with each other. Yeah? And we're, 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 our lives are linked in. And it's not just a hobby like fishing or something like that, where you become a member. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. Today's culture of independent individualism has created more spiritual orphan, orphans or bunny hoppers hopping around from church to church and they're trying to find something that doesn't exist and that is the perfect church. What does exist, however, is the perfect fit because not all churches are the same and they shouldn't be. And, and our church is global. We are different. We're, we're on the move. We read the New Testament and we, we hear that God wants to win the lost so we want to win the lost. And God wants to do many things and you've got churches that try to do everything and it's an impossibility. I've been in them churches. You drive yourself nuts trying to spin all the plates. So we've decided there's some things that we will do and there's some things that we won't do. Yeah. And we're not here for long-term counselling. We can't do that. And if somebody needs that, we'll put you in touch with somebody with long-term counselling. But we, we're, and, and also playing plastic, you know, tin pot psychology which so many churches do. We won't do that. We just say, we don't know. You need somebody who specializes in that area. Yeah? If you're sick, go to a doctor. If you're spiritually sick, go to a priest or a pastor. So, you know, if you need an ed doctor, go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. 
Somebody says you need your head seen to if you do that, but I'm just saying, you missed that one, right over, right <laughs> over. There we go. Okay. When a child is born, he's born automatically into the universal family of human beings. But that child also needs to become a member of a specific family to receive nurture and care and grow up and to find identity. And, and, and it's the same spiritually. The, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you become part of the worldwide church, the universal church, but you need to become part of a specific church to learn and to grow and to find identity. That's what's missing in so many people today. People just don't know who they are. And we have to find out. And it starts with being in Christ. That's where it begins. And you know then you're coming out of a, an atmosphere of love and non-judgmental environment. Because God loves you perfectly and completely and he knows all your faults. You know, I love Shelley and Shelley loves me, but we are very aware of each other's faults. <laughs> but, it, but with Jesus, it's different. And you might have been brought up in a family that's judgmental, that's critical, that you can never do right, or you might have been overlooked because you've got a superstar brother or a superstar sister. And you just think, well, who am I? I'm just like, I'm just not as good as them, but I don't even know who I am. It starts with who you are in Christ. And then you start to find out, here's a, here's a simple one, finding your identity. It's like, so who are you? You're a child of God with purpose. Loved, absolutely, just as you are. Yeah. And, you know, God has wired you in a, in a, a unique way. And so whatever, whatever makes you cry could be uh, a, 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 a pointer to your, your vocation in life. And whatever makes you happy, that's another one, desires. You know, the, we have corrupted all that in the church. We've said, um, they used to say this to me at Bible college, God might call you to China. That's when the bamboo curtain was down. He might call you to China. I said, well, I won't go. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but you'll just have to because, you know, you can't just do what you want. I said, I know I can't, but I'll submit my life to God. I said, but if he says China, I probably won't go. <laughs> and they didn't like all that. I didn't just, our hard work when I think about it, but I was trying, I'm thinking, and I never could get my head around it. It was almost like if you love something, like if they had to say, God's going to send you to Spain, and I did try to live there at one stage as a teenager. It's like, if, God's, if, if you'd love to go to Spain, God will never call you there. He'll only ever call you to somewhere that you don't like. And that was the missionary mindset. And it's like, how stupid is that? When God has given us desires, and, and so desire is the greatest thing in your life, greatest motivation to doing something. So why would he keep working against your desire? That is so silly. Yeah? yeah? Anyway, you've got to stick around in church to find identity and purpose and meaning. And, and as you do, you start to grow in confidence yeah. and you know who you are. Yeah. Why do we need a church family? Last week we looked at two things and I've got six or seven. I've got six, but I threw another one in just for like, seven's a good number. It's a perfect number. Number one, a church family identifies you as a genuine believer. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. That's the King James Version. Number two, a church family moves you out of self-centered isolation. The local church is the classroom for learning to get along in God's family. It is, it's a classroom. I don't like that word classroom, but you know, it's like, it's like that's your factory, that's your, that's your workplace. Yeah. And, um, and so church, I'm not talking about here, 
although you can be on teams and stuff. I'm talking about what's your attitude going to a, a dinner party? What's your attitude of helping each other seven days a week? Or being around each other, not necessarily helping, celebrating, loving, being kind. Challenging, there's another one. But challenging in a great way. You know that you love somebody because before you challenge them, you think, I feel sick about this because I don't want them to be upset and I know they're going to be upset. And you choose your words wisely. Yeah? That's the difference just between being straight with somebody and actually being kind and straight. Not to self. Self-pity drains you of any energy to demonstrate sympathy to others. That was a quote of quotes last week. When I dug that out, I was amazed. Self-pity drains you of any energy to demonstrate sympathy to others. We hate self-pity. We hate it because we see what it does. And honestly, I can't join in. I can't go to a pity party. I will not go. I won't take any beers. You just have it on your own. Um, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. In other words, we learn to sympathize and empathize with people. And if one part is honored, every part shares in its honor. We're called to love each other as much as we love Jesus Christ, or just like we love Jesus Christ. And most believers don't get that. They get John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that ever believes in him, gives a life to him, loves him, follows him, gives him everything. Yeah. They know that, but they don't know 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. When somebody's missing in church, when somebody's missing in the group, I don't just mean service, I mean in our everyday life, when somebody's not on the radar, <coughs> then we've got a man down, or a woman down. Yeah? And we're not happy until we find out what's going on. And uh, Number three, a church family helps you develop spiritual muscle. And the only way to develop spiritual muscle is to get involved in the full life of the local church. You'll never grow to maturity just by attending worship services and being a passive spectator. The Bible says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Over 50 times in the New Testament, we get the one another passages. Love each other. Pray for each other. Encourage each other. Admonish each other. That means correct each other. Greet each other. Serve each other. Teach each other. Accept each other. Honor each other. Forgive each other. Submit to each other. Be devoted to each other. Bear each other's burdens. Each one of them is a Bible study in itself. But you know, the more we get that in, the more the flavor of Jesus Christ will come out. Yeah. Number four, the church family needs you. We need you to be you. So you can't say, well, no, nobody will notice. I, I'm just little old me. And it's just not true. You need to be part of the body. God has a unique role for you to play in his family. And some call this their ministry. Some call it their gift. And it's to be used to help the church rather than further your career as a Christian superstar. In the 1980s, everybody would be, was being filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of Christians were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was giving gifts to people. 
gifts of music, gifts of wisdom, gifts of preaching, gifts of teaching, gifts, gifts of, of creative gifts like uh, painting and stuff like that. Just amazing things. And, um, and I used to go to conferences and they used to say, what's your ministry? I thought, I can't even spell it. I don't know, I don't know what they're talking about, really. I said, well, me, I'm, I'm just like, I just tell people about Jesus. Oh, you're an evangelist. I'm going, am I? And uh, I didn't really know what they were on about. And then I realized it all became very selfish. It was all about them. This is my ministry. This is what I do. And uh, that is just so tedious and boring. But we had to mature. We had to grow through that. And now very, very few people talk like that, to be fair. You've got to go into a church that's still stuck in the 80s, usually a charismatic church. But, um, but you know, we've, we've moved on beyond receiving the gifts to the purpose of the gifts. And that is to build up the body of Christ. And um, so if I preach, I'm more of a preacher than a teacher. A teacher would have six points and stick to them. I have six points and they're incidental to my main thing. What's going on up here? And preachers are more excitable characters and um, uh, more inspirational sometimes. Not always. Not always. So the local church is the place God designed for you to discover, develop, and use your gifts and talents. So this is where we can discover them, we can use them sometimes, but a lot of the time we're using them out there. Yeah. And if you've got the gift of healing, don't just leave it inside the church. Go and pray for people out there. I've prophesied, and so has Shelley. I've prophesied to men in toilets as they're having a Jimmy Riddle. And I'm having a... Sorry, I don't have a toilet minister. I don't stand there watching. <laughs> but it's sometimes two worlds collide and they're not going to be there for that long. Yeah. But I've spoke God's word. But we speak God's word. And, and but it's out there I've prayed for people out there I lead people to Christ on the deathbed and it's out there nobody sees all that and they're not meant to I'm just saying that's what the kind of church that I want is where we take this out there and don't just tell people they have to do it demonstrate how it's done live it number five you will share in Christ's mission in the world if you're part of God's church when Jesus walked the earth, God worked through the physical body of Jesus Christ. And today, he uses the body of Christ, which is the church. It's another name for the church. We are the body of Christ, and he works through us. The church is God's instrument in the earth. We are the most important instrument in the earth. And most people don't see that. I think church was pathetic. And it's like, no, we're not. Some churches are, and that's their choice. But there's many, many, many hundreds of thousands of church on planet earth that have got purpose, zeal, energy, and God is with them. And um, we are part of God's future. That's why we're the most important people on earth. And it's not, we're not more, more valuable, but we're more important. Why? Because we've said to God, we want to do your will. Our Father, who art in heaven, Harold, be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we see pain and suffering, we want to take it away and bring healing and joy. Why? Because there's only healing and joy in heaven. There's no pain and suffering there. And we want something of heaven to come down through us and visit people's lives. Where there's poverty, we want to bring prosperity. Where there's poor thinking, we want to bring thinking that's generous and rich and big. Where there's small thinking. God doesn't put small visions, big visions in small hearts. He doesn't put put big finances in small pockets. So we have to change, we have to transform so we become 
greater conduits of God's presence and God's love and life to a world, yeah? As members of Christ's body, we are his hands and his feet, his eyes and his heart. And you know something? The, the, the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you because you're not a hand. Or you're not like me. And we've got to learn to, to appreciate everybody's gifting. And we've never been sure to young people until recently. And that's because we took our focus off young people. We got involved in trying to have a great church, church service and we get caught up in the service or the lights right or this right. But if there's no youth there, it's like dead. And so you can understand I have a passion for young people, for the next generation to come in. And they will. We've started a, a couple of young groups that are coming through. It'll take time. We're going out on the streets. Some people, you know, to connect with young people. So that's good. Do pray for us. Uh, as we do that but I'm just saying that this man had this great gift for us and um, we are his hands and feet and we're there to do his work this is an important scripture Ephesians chapter 2 says for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do you'll know when you're in your lane because you'll do things things will happen and you'll have contacts and connections and you'll be doing the very thing that you're designed to do that, you, that give you so much pleasure and so much joy. Because God has prepared it long before you were even born. He's prepared your lane. And when you found your lane, that's your sweet spot. That's your grace lane. That's what you're gifted. Grace means to, to be gifted to do. And once you've found that, you stick with that. That's a brilliant thing. Some of you are not in your grace lane. You're just doing stuff because you think you should do it. Are you, you, you're doing it because that's how you were taught in a previous church. And what I'm saying is, no, find your lane. And if it doesn't fit within the culture of this church, you may be in the wrong church. We're not going to change the church to, to get your, your stuff in. We're not adding stuff in. But what I'm saying is, I mean, it's important for you to find your lane. And it's important for you to be fulfilled. Why? Because if you're fulfilled, you'll keep doing it. I'm an evangelist. I, I, I can turn a conversation into Jesus like that. I can flit in and flit out. I can talk about buying and selling houses or cars or whatever just to keep, keep things going along. But I'm gifted by God to be an evangelist. I have a boldness. I can lead people to Christ, whether they're in a bar, in a cafe or on the street. It doesn't really matter to me. I can, I can, that's a gift that God's given me. That's my sweet spot. I'm at the happiest when I'm leading people to Christ. Second happiest when I'm boring a church. We're going on too long. Number six. We're nearly done. A church family will help you to keep will help to keep you from backsliding, sliding back. And when we're part of the church, then you know there's a network of people catching the fish that are trying to chuck themselves back out the nets to go back into the same. Like, no, 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 don't remember what it was like back there. Don't keep in the net and keep around long enough to get it. None of us are immune from temptation. Given the right situation or circumstance, you and I are capable of any sin. We are. So if you think you are standing firm, the Bible says, be careful that you don't fall. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah preached for 50 years and never saw one person believe. I'd have given up after the first 10. 50 years and never saw, never saw much for his ministry. But that's what he came out with. Timothy, 
Paul writing to Timothy said, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some of you have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to your faith. So we've got to come back and hold on to the faith. Maybe today you're just holding on, keep holding on. Moment by moment, I keep holding on. There's a song in there somewhere. God knows this. He knows that we're prone to backslide. So he invented the idea of 24-7 church so that we as individuals can help each other to keep on track. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another daily. How can you encourage one another daily if you're not in each other's worlds? Christianity is more than a service. Church is more than a service. But encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. James puts it like this, my dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. And we're tempted to do that Well, they never believed in the first place. Most times not true. If you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back and you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Did I say that with number six? Number six is a related benefit of the local church is that it provides the spiritual protection of godly leaders. Well, let me put it like this, the spiritual protection and leadership. God gives shepherd leaders, in other words, servant leaders, the responsibility to guard, protect, defend, and care for the, 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 the sheep or the church. In Hebrews, it, the writer says this, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict super, supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? You know, so many leaders give up church leaders give up I mean shed loads there's very few that go on for more than 10 years uh, there's a dramatic drop off after the first year and five years but it still keeps dropping off and um, I've been fortunate because I've been surrounded by great people and great teaching and so I'm, I'm in my fourth decade and I've no plans in giving up <laughs> Satan loves detached believers Satan loves detached believers unplugged from the life of the body isolated from God's family and unaccountable to leaders because he knows they are defenseless and powerless against his tactics. And in Acts, last scripture, in Acts it says Christians, uh, this is what, what helped them keep going, he said they committed themselves. It's not that we go chasing everybody, it says they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the life together, the common meal we have bread and wine and the prayers common meal could be the dinner party and it's not wrong at dinner party to just break out the bread and wine if you've got a bit of bread there if you haven't leave it but if you know bread and wine and just saying to the king and his kingdom I enjoy building up the church I enjoy building up people and I am acid at times about stuff because I, I, I see how people come in and distract what we're doing and you're like well, I don't want it and just like a shepherd, I'll go on it to Mount Edward Shepherd's crook. Spiritually speaking, you know what I mean? I wouldn't do that. Um, but we're building a, a great church. 
and it's taking time and it does take time but don't give up we're going to see a massive harvest this place is going to be full and uh, even that's going to be chicken feed compared to what's coming our way in terms of thousands can see thousands why not why not from the team here at global church thank you for listening to this podcast please check out our other messages available on the website 